0: A financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com term life to learn more. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney won a decisive victory in 2019 on the strength of his messaging about the economy and jobs and being a stronger option than the NDP. Halfway through his mandate and a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, support for the government has dropped and even the party's base is frustrated. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Calgary Sun columnist Rick Bell joins me to discuss when things started to turn for the UCP, why voters are frustrated, and what Kenny could do to turn things around. Don't forget you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Rick, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of Jason Kenney and the UCP defeating the NDP. We're just past the one-year anniversary of the first COVID case in Alberta. So it seems like a good time to kind of take stock of where things are at. And if you looked at the UCP's first year in office, they set out to do all of the things that they said they were going to do in the election campaign. You know, they canceled the NDP's carbon tax. They you know, started talking about lowering the corporate tax. They started ticking things off on a list and you had all of these press conferences where they were talking about promises made and promises kept. But since the start of the COVID pandemic or maybe even a little bit before, I recall the reaction to the budget in 2020, it hasn't been the best second year for a government. So I'm wondering if you can break down for me when you think things started to turn for the UCP.
1: Why do you ask that? Because I'm actually of the view that the shine came off pretty early on. I mean, COVID did not help. Mm-hmm. Premier Kenny would like us to believe that it's all about COVID. But actually, when you look at the numbers, he was at about a 60% approval in June, right after his landslide 22 point victory over the NDP. Yeah. He went down seven points by Christmas of that year, 2019. By March 2020, a year ago, which is again, before COVID, he went down another seven points. And then of course, since COVID, he's gone down another eight points. Mm -hmm. So he was already going down. In fact, I scheduled meetings with all his top people during Stampede July 2019 to ask them what the hell is going on, because even then, I just had the feeling that things were not going exactly as I expected. And of course, they thought, as you mentioned in your preamble, we've got this to-do list, we're going to knock these things off, we're going to cut the corporate tax, we're going to energize the economy, we're going to give Albertans what they wanted, jobs, the economy, pipelines. And so they were pretty confident that that was just a slight erosion of support that usually comes back after the honeymoon and that it would stabilize. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't stabilized. It's just kept going down until now. We're down, you know, depending on the poll, at an approval rating for the premier, which is most people think around 40 percent or less. Yeah. So it's actually been an erosion. It's, you know, some other governments, they're in for two years, three years, whatever, or even in the case of Klein almost a dozen years, then it really starts, you know, eroding and people get tired of it. But here the erosion was actually quite quick and it's just gained steam over time. And COVID, of course, is now, you know, a big factor in the fact that the numbers are as low as they are.
0: Looking at the pandemic, if you look at Alberta's response to the pandemic, it's not all that dissimilar to places like BC or Ontario or Quebec. I know that there's been criticism of how loose Alberta's been with their restrictions, but we have had pretty severe restrictions here as well. Yes. And you look at all these other provinces that haven't done that much differently than Alberta. And if you look at the first wave of the pandemic, Alberta fared fairly well compared to places like Ontario and Quebec, People just weren't buying what Jason Kenny was selling through that. Why do you suppose that is? Is it just that people were already in a place of frustration with the premier after the first year that anything he did, they were going to look at poorly? Or were there other mitigating factors there?
1: I think you start with COVID is, is a people story. You know, it's literally a life and death story. I mean, it's about your health. And I think the premier was, as I nicknamed him on COVID, Professor Kenny going through all of the facts and figures about COVID. But really, he's not exactly a warm, fuzzy, reassuring guy. That's not him. So that may have played a part. But the other thing is, their messaging, one day it was charter of rights, minimal impairment, and the next day it was, there could be body bags and field hospitals in the middle of February, and we're gonna bring out the dead and they would when i questioned them about it they would always say we have polls that show that people in alberta you know a lot of them want even more than what we're doing but when i would ask them is that broken out by the voters in the 2019 election so in other words were the ucp voters in the last election wanting more lockdowns and they always told me they didn't break it down like that mm-hmm. because in the polling and i don't want to get too wonky here Obviously, most polls say that the people that voted NDP in the last election, the vast majority, probably 90% plus of those people, wanted more than what Kenny was doing. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is they're never voting for Jason Kenny. Jason Kenny could have circuit breaker lockdowns, stay at home orders, curfew orders. He could lock people in their homes. He could have the police knocking on doors every night. And they are not voting for Jason Kenny for other reasons other than COVID. And his base, particularly in rural Alberta, were not as favorable to the restrictions, and that's where a lot of the likely UCP voters are. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he's got that tension that on the one hand, he's talking about, you know, the world could go to hell in a handbasket— And then on the other hand, he has to balance that off with individual rights, minimal impairment of freedoms. I'm not the guy who wants to lock things down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think another problem for him is kind of a tone problem, and it's a problem with his face. When you ask a lot of people, and I ask backbench MLAs, people in constituency associations, they oftentimes say, this is not the guy we thought we were getting. He's not listening to us. You hear this all the time. But when you actually probe and try to find out, well, what is it that he's not listening about? You know, you get the COVID thing, obviously. Then you get the Trudeau thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we thought he was the guy who once said, you know, Trudeau has a political depth of a finger bowl and can't read a briefing note longer than a cocktail napkin. Where is that guy? Where is the blue truck guy? Now, they never believed, by the way, that he was, you know, a good old boy who was going to pound back shots at the bar in Innisfail. (laughs) They didn't believe he was that kind of guy. They didn't believe that if you went to his blue truck stereo system, he'd be playing the collected hits of Merle Haggard. But I think they thought he would, as best as he could, have a more populist style because that was the style he employed from the day he came back from federal politics to the day of the election. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, sometimes it was funny. He would go to rallies in his blue truck with a blazer on. But I think they were looking for more of that. So there's also that sort of tone issue that is out there, that somehow he's not really connecting with Albertans, that he's out of touch with Albertans. You know, it's a harder thing to gauge because people aren't exactly saying what. And the response Kenny's people always say is, in fact, he just said it a couple of days ago that by summertime, they could have almost all their platform done. But people don't read big, thick doorstopper platforms and start checking them off like it's a to-do list. Mm-hmm. They were just looking at his themes, which was jobs, yeah. the economy, et cetera, et cetera, fair deal from Ottawa. That's what he's going to be judged on. And of course, I think COVID just makes it worse because it was confusing. See, John Horgan... My impression in b c was not confusing about his approach, and it 's funny because if you have a tough approach like Quebec has had very tough mm-hmm. their premier has a high approval rating and If you have horgan in b c who had a much less restrictive approach, he also has a high rating and Here in Alberta, where you know it was closer to b c than it was to Quebec, he just didn't get any bounce and in fact. I think the numbers show that him and Pallister are like the bobsy twins of COVID-19 failure. Mm-hmm. That's not a place where Jason Kenney wants to be because the chances of Premier Pallister getting reelected in Manitoba are very slim. I don't think Kenney's as far down as that, but it's funny, no matter your COVID approach, some people came out looking good.
0: When we look at the UCP, you know, we look at the polls and I've seen polls that say that they're three points behind. I've seen the Leger poll that says they're 20 points behind is it just a frustration among the base? Because you look at the NDP numbers, they've seen some bounce, but they're not far off from where they were in the last election. You know, They have kind of like a 40% voter base, at least based on the last election. So if you look at the UCP, is it just that their base is mad and they're looking to just kind of park their frustration and they'll answer anything to a pollster? Or is it they haven't delivered on those big ticket line items in their campaign, the, you know, jobs, economy, pipelines. And I get that COVID has caused an economic slowdown that they couldn't have foreseen, but it's not like they were very far ahead on jobs, economy, pipelines before COVID.
1: There is a big undecided vote in a lot of these polls. Mm -hmm. And that undecided vote is his base. You know, there are a lot of people that are just very perplexed about Kenny, who either A, voted for him or our party members, or our party activists, or, dare I say, backbench MLAs. So they're just very, you know, what do you do when you're undecided? And oddly enough, in the Leger poll, when they ask the undecideds, well, tell me at least who you're leaning to. Most of the undecideds. Don't even say that. They just tell the pollster at that point, no, I'm not leaning. I'm undecided, yeah. which is a little bit of the fine print. So that tells you this undecided vote, which is largely, I think, a UCP undecided vote, is really, really, really undecided. They're not just playing coy. I don't think they were expecting Ralph Klein, but I think they were expecting something more than what they got, both in attitude and in delivery. A lot of people just want the premier to do some kind of a reboot. I didn't say reset because then people will talk about the great reset and (laughs) then we'll be on another topic. But a reboot in order to sort of use this opportunity coming out of COVID. There will be, you know, a bump in the economy up everywhere and use that opportunity to be seen as competent, which is the main reason. You know, 19 years in Ottawa, senior cabinet minister, they wanted competence. But I think they also want, I don't think it has to be overwhelming popularity, but I think they want something connecting with them a little bit more. For instance, on the Trudeau file, see, that's where the connection comes in. People were expecting a more, let's say, assertive approach on Trudeau. Yeah. And every time Kenny gets up and talks and is a bit more hawkish sounding than he's been in the last long while, I'll get emails and responses from people saying, ah, that's the old Kenny. That's Remember when you asked me what the problem was? There's the old Kenny. There he is. And he says he has to be a diplomat and he has to work with the federal government and all of that. But the reality is that's what they were kind of expecting. You know, I covered Ralph Klein. Yeah, There was a lot of excitement, some fear and trepidation, but there was a lot of excitement in Klein's first term. He was doing this, he was doing that, he was privatizing liquor stores, he was privatizing registries, he was floating all sorts of other ideas, and he had a very clear, simple message which could be summarized in two sentences, his platform, and that's what people went for. And, and what did he do? One, he admitted when he made mistakes, if he floated a trial balloon and the trial balloon got shot down by the public, he would say, I stepped on a snake. Oh, me. Oh, my. We're not doing that. That was a stupid idea. He perfected that as an art form. And also, even people who were his adversaries would say he is delivering exactly what he said he would do. Even those people who used to stand on the steps of the legislature in Edmonton and bang the door and shout and scream against Ralph. In retrospect, they do say at least he said what he was going to do. I just don't see that sense of mission articulated to the people of Alberta. And part of that, I may add, which people don't normally talk about, is where are the people around him that know that that's what you have to do here, that know that The past political history of Alberta is like that, that people will let you admit you make mistakes, that people will be behind you if you rally them behind you. Mm -hmm. I just assumed there would be all of these people around him who would be able to help him correct these things. But I don't think he thinks there needs to be that much correcting. And that's another problem.
0: So in terms of how you know, we're two years away from an election, but if the pandemic drags on, you could see a lot of unrest and frustration for a while. But where does he turn some of this around? Is it dealing with Trudeau? Is it dealing with some of these lockdowns in places where people are angry about the lockdowns? Is it dealing with the budget? You know, there were complaints that it was either a big spending budget or there was cutting too much or it was neither. Is it fixing the doctor fight? Where does he need to focus his energy to get people back on his side?
1: Well, on COVID, of course, he's hoping we won't be talking about this by summertime, right? So I think he's hoping this sort of more or less goes away, at least from the front burner. On the budget, you know, I'm talking about this clarity of message. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge spending budget, but it's not a budget that's in any way trying to control increases in spending, There's a, even without COVID. The non-COVID spending is not being cut in the next three years. Now, it's not going up a whole lot after this year, but it's not actually being cut. He would claim, well, I never promised to cut it. And even when he floats things like this, well, floats it in the sense of doesn't shoot it down like the sales tax, Mm -hmm. that confuses people. Are you in favor of a sales tax? Are you in favor of a sales tax referendum? You say you don't want a sale tax right now. Are you looking at a sales tax three years from now? What does this committee or panel on taxation? Is that ruled out? Are they going to look at that as well? Because remember the last panel he had looked at cuts, but couldn't look at taxes. Is this one, you know, as soon as you have people asking all kinds of questions like that, it's not clear. He's got to be clear where exactly he's going. But when you ask some of these very fundamental questions, you get these answers that are somewhere all over the map. You know, the fair deal, which is an issue for some people. Well, what happens if the equalization referendum is just, yeah, 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 we want changes? Does anybody really believe there's going to be a big change to equalization? Mm -hmm. Most people probably do not. And as time goes on, they might be proven right. I just think he has to now be more clear about what, he is actually doing. He's so busy and so interested in his to-do list and so interested in rolling out all these press releases that you and I know the people that live on your street and the people that live on my street, they don't give a rodent's butt about. He's just got to crystallize what it is. Yeah. So on the fair deal file, I'm not sure where he's going, really. I couldn't tell you, and I listen to the guy all the time. Where is he really going on the budget? I have the budget document, but exactly where are they going there? Where is he going on the issue of taxation? Will Albertans be taxed more, let's say, two years from now, three years from now? I don't have the answer to that question. I don't even know, for instance, what he's going to do on Monday, step three of the COVID reopening. We've got the hospitalization numbers, which would say it should be step three. But the fact that even when I call the government, I have no idea what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. This is a real big problem. And then I think the other thing he has is he has to learn how to talk to people. Maybe you need somebody like you as an editor who could, uh, you know, go through his material and edit it properly. But Professor Kenny doesn't work. Being the smartest man in every room doesn't work. Not in Alberta anyway. Yeah. Crazy. And by the way, travel. The travel thing was a classic example. Yeah. Totally toned up on what Albertans would think. January one, when we were all called in off our holidays, I said I was gobsmacked by his response. There is a classic example of something where that's the tone deafness I'm talking about. Where are his political instincts then eventually walk it back?
0: Yeah, he turned around and he and he said, Well, this person's non cabinet and this person's no longer my chief of staff. Yeah, yeah,
1: but but I mean he had a cabinet minister come out and say, I have a family tradition to go to Hawaii yeah. and nobody in that government said, that is one of the craziest things you could possibly say on a day like today. <laughs> that is the cape in front of the bull. Do not say it is a family tradition. And for me, I needed my family tradition. Rachel Notley could not write that line for Tracy Allard. Mm-hmm. So there's another example of where they're disconnected or on the covid you know, wherever you stand on the lockdown issue, and I'm generally a person of freedom, as you are, obviously with some limitations these days. Yeah. But I think everybody agrees, no matter where you are on the spectrum, that we're tired. Mm-hmm. We've had it. It's a year now. So instead of spending some time talking about that, not just about the variant number and the Brazilian number and, and all of this stuff, but also talk about realizing where people are really at. And therefore, tailoring your messaging, even more so than policy, to the fact that people are frustrated. And all we hear is, you know, you got to be stronger a little bit longer. It's just not enough. Yeah. And I think he really has to sit down at three in the morning and have this great reflection saying, I could do those things differently. But instead, everything I hear from him is, you know, we're going to have most of our, almost all our platform done, blah, 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 blah. Now, the good news. Maybe if jobs come back, if the economy comes back, Albertans are a forgiving lot when they've got a good job and a nice vacation in the summer.
0: Well, I was going to ask about that. The mantra that was repeated during the election, jobs, economy, pipelines, a lot of that in many ways is out of his control, as we've seen with pipelines. We put a stake in Keystone XL, that's not going anywhere. Line 5, Enbridge's Line 5, which is an existing pipeline that Michigan's governor is trying to shut down. You know, Canada's lobbying to see that stay open and maybe it'll stay open and it'll go to the courts, yada, yada, yada. But that's out of his hands. Even Trans Mountain, the feds bought it. They say they're going to build it. That's out of his hands. And the economy itself right now, yes, there are policies the government can put in place to create jobs or create the environment where people may want to start companies or, or move offices here and all of that. But You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. No one's doing that right now. No, I agree. What does he do if the things that are out of his control don't go his way? How does he recover? Or what's the prospect on the things that are out of his control happening to boost his numbers?
1: Well, the problem he has that maybe a a few of these other premiers don't have as much, whether it's, you know, Scott Moe or Premier Legault or Horgan, is he doesn't have a lot of equity in his political ATM machine to draw on. And that's why I keep saying that he's got to also change the tone in case his greatest plans don't work exactly as they plan. I think he is, by the way, supremely confident that that is all going to come in place, Mm -hmm. either because of the corporate income tax cut or because of his efforts to woo businesses here I think when he talks and waxes poetic about 1,800 new net jobs because of Rogers and Shaw getting together and a high tech firm having jobs in Calgary, I think he really believes that this is, you know, the beginning of Alberta being this great magnet. Now, I'm probably a little bit more skeptical than that. And he doesn't have control over the oil price either, which, as you know, has a large part to play in Alberta's economy, no matter who is the premier. And I don't think he's even really talked enough about how these jobs are coming. Do you know how these jobs are coming back outside of a 12% to 8% you know, cut in corporate taxes? I don't. Yeah. He hasn't really explained exactly how that's going to happen, how these office towers here that are 29% empty here in Calgary, what's going to happen there. Because he's been so busy with all this other stuff, and it's not just covid it's all of these other things mm-hmm. but again, going back to the tone deafness, coal, the doctor's fight, yeah, so when I say tone deafness, it's not about being a nice guy; it's about these sorts of issues. Did he really believe that people in Canmore would be hip to become a coal mining town again? No, that's not happening, but I think you know what I mean. I mean, there were banners outside here in the hardest of hardcore. UCP areas, criticizing Kenny, like cowboy country. Yeah, I think he has to have a clarity of message, particularly about jobs and the economy. He has to be more reassuring to people on COVID. And he has to actually, in a weird way, not be as busy as he is, as in busy work. Mm-hmm. He has to remember why he won when he won. Yeah, How did he get that 22 point? He's got to go back to that and really examine how did that happen. Now, campaigning and governing are different, I understand, but how did he do that? If you go back and listen to his speeches of a couple years ago and interviews, they are very different.
0: You know, Rick, it's always a fascinating time in Alberta politics. I know we're two years away from an election, but I can't imagine that the tone— or the pace in Alberta politics is going to change. Hopefully we'll touch base with you again soon.
1: Okay, well, anytime. Thank you.
0: 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Rick Bell. More from him at calgarysun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.